Hello, welcome to the Skip It podcast, where we review and dissect the classic Australian TV show Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. I'm joined with Lee. Hey, everybody. And Ashwin. Hi, guys. And we are up to episode 19, The Rustlers. I'll just start right now with the um, the new cast members that have that are featured in this uh, episode. There's Ernie, uh, Willie Fennel, Joe, Jack Allen, Ted, Mark McCannis. They pretty much start off straight away in this, so I just thought I'd give you a bit of an introduction. Um, and the original air date for this was in Melbourne, 18th of the 3rd, 1968. So we start off uh, straight away with Skippy in a sheep paddock. Uh, three rustlers show up in a truck and a sheepdog jumps out uh, and starts rustling the sheep and rounding them up into uh, the back of the truck. And they set up some temporary fences uh, to try to get these sheep up. And Skippy is all witnessing this in the background in some bushes, and she sort of hops off. And th- what's what's almost tragic about it is they leave a baby lamb uh, all yeah, by itself they... as they drive off. So, yeah, what, what do you guys think about this, uh, Lee? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, when I saw that lamb, I thought they've left a witness because Skippy immediately <laughs> went over to that lamb and started having a conversation about oh, what just happened. Yeah, that's right. Skippy does go straight up to the lamb and goes like sort of looks after the lamb and the lamb's like bleeding. And yeah, no, uh, yeah, that was sort of quite, oh, Ashwin. Yeah, I was also worried because you know how Skippy loves to abduct babies? We yeah. saw that in the- Saw that in the last episode. So whenever yes. she sees a small child, she gets super clucky. So I oh, thought, yeah. okay, just be careful, lamb. Watch out. <laughs> she didn't try to put it in her pouch and hop away. <laughs> uh, so then we go into the uh, classic uh, intro of Skippy. And then we have Skippy hopping back to the house, uh, to home base. Uh, Sonny is on the radio with his school. And the teacher is asking what year... Captain Cook landed at Botany Bay and a student answers 1770. And as this is happening, Skippy comes in and sort of starts bothering Sonny. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, like, what did you reckon about the lessons? Like, it's all, I don't know how to, like, they, they cram so much classic Australia in the one thing. It's very yeah. COVID-friendly education as well. It's quite a contemporary style of teaching. Uh, yeah, you're right. Exactly your point was when I saw that, he's learning from school, isolated. That's exactly what happens in a lockdown. All the students are at their own homes on the, mm. not a not a radio like that, but yeah, exactly the same yeah. with everyone being remote and isolated. As old as the show is, Skippy still remains relevant. So yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, we've because we've seen the radio schooling in the past, but yes, no, he's very COVID safe. So very good. And I always thought it was um, good that they named a town 1770 because <laughs> everyone remembers, like I remember the town over the year that... Yeah, I'd like to see Brisbane renamed 1988 after Expo. So future generations will never forget. It was one of the last times I was watching The Simpsons years ago. They actually mentioned and had a dig at the Expo 88. I don't know which episode, but it was like in the last five or six years. But I I was like, it blew my mind because I think it was something like it was the worst one or something. I don't know. But um, check it out if you guys can find it, because it's sort of one of those things where I was like, what? (laughs) And then we finally made it, except it was insulting. And yeah, so we'll move on. So Sonny tells Skip to, you know, be quiet, stop bothering him while he's on his radio lessons. And Sonny says he can't come out. Uh, He's doing his lessons. 
Sonny almost gets caught out when he misses his name when he's when the teacher's doing the roll call. Like he turns off the radio to say "get lost, skip," and as he turns it back on, she's saying "Sonny, Sonny," and then he answers her, and then. He sort of manages to get away with it. Johnny, I've got to say something about this. Yeah. Skipping was annoying me. Like, Sonny is trying to learn. I don't care if there's poaching going on. You wait your turn. And maybe like a cat, you know how your cat nudges you when it wants to grab attention? Skippy doesn't have any silent nudging attention grabbing methods. It's all just squawking. Yeah, it's all clicking, and uh, try, which, you know, we know kangaroos can't do. So the only way they would be able to probably get your attention is come up and sort of do the cat thing. Can we talk about though, Skippy's talking? Because we've mentioned before the things that they used to give Skippy to make her mouth consistently chew. And when I looked at this one, I thought that's a gum example (laughs) because she was chewing and whatever it was, was she was not swallowing anything. She was just like, what is in my mouth? Get this out of me. Cause she was just chewing nonstop with no end in sight Mm. for a good two minutes. Maybe they just gave her chewing gum. Not peanut yeah, the old Mr. Edric. Yeah, so we have Skippy bothering and clicking away uh, with Sonny, and Sonny says he, he got in trouble, and then Sonny goes, and then he, he, he says that he got in trouble, but then he still ends up going off with Skippy and follows her um, until he hears a noise. Like, so they go off into the bush, and he comes up to like a, a bit of a ridge and then to sort of a cliff face. There's always cliffs uh, in this park. Uh, within you know 200 meters of any walking and mm. he hears a noise and it's a i guess a diesel motor or something and he scales down the cliff to find out what the sound is and there's a makeshift uh, shearing shed going on with the truck set up with a makeshift fence the diesel generator and then you know, shearing sheep and bailing it up and doing all the whole process. No, I just, it was reminding me of my childhood. I grew up on a sheep farm as well. So I was getting a lot of nostalgic memories uh, from it. Well, this episode is very relevant then to you. So you would probably know about everything that's going on here, uh, technically. Yeah. And we'll um, probably get to this in just a moment, but it was so nice to see an episode where Sonny meets three random strange men in a park and doesn't get abducted. <laughs> Exactly. It just it keeps on. It's like increasing the random old men that he's he's befriending. <laughs> so sorry. So with the men are all busy shearing sheep. Sonny cl- climbs down the uh, rock face, as I said, and the dog barks and warns the other the men. Um, and it took me a while to get the men's names right because it sort of I don't know. It was sort of very hard to know who was who at start. Sonny and Skip both come out of the bush. I'll just say the bigger men of the fellow, because we don't know their names yet. The bigger guy, uh, he comes out and he says to the other one, I know how to handle kids and goes to meet Sonny. And uh, he says straight away, like, this guy's pretty clever. He goes, oh, I suppose you're here for the advertisement. And Sonny's, you know, confused, says, oh, what, what? And then the man says, oh, there's an ad in the paper for a shearer assisted or whatever. And Sonny's immediately, they can't do this in the national park. <laughs> and, um, and and it's for native animals. And then the man's totally like, it trumps Sonny. The man says, sheep are native and you can't have them with their coat in this heat. Which, if they were native, you would think they would have adapted where they wouldn't need a coat. But, you know, whatever. You know, he says they're just doing their bit, basically helping the sheep. That's his sort of way to trick Sonny into thinking that they're doing the right thing, I guess. So what did you guys think about all this whole first interaction 
Lee, what do you reckon? Well, I thought it was pretty impressive that even though Joe, who is the one that's talking to Sonny yes. and conning him, he says a lot of slang. Like he's like, mm. oh, there ain't too much of this. But in actual fact, I put on a, a really Aussie accent, but he sounded quite articulate in terms mm. of the way that he was pronouncing his words. It was yes. very proper. He was sort of, oh, there ain't no way that I can get around these hair parts. It was like very posh sounding for, mm. like he was clearly the brains of the operation, which yes. is probably why he was the boss. Yes. And um, like just going into it, that was uh, Jack Allen. And he was in quite a lot of television um, and movies. In of the Damned, Homicide, Around the World in 80 Ways. There's a whole bunch of sort of just different TV shows that he was on. So lots of different stuff. I would also say like Skippy saw these, clearly saw these guys stealing sheep. But as soon as Sonny's cool with them, she just chills out and goes, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess they're cool now. Like I can understand Sonny being gullible. He's a little boy. But yep. Skippy knew better. But she just went along with the whole thing. Disgusting. Well, yeah, and we'll sort of get into this a bit later because there is, like, this whole moral question hanging over this episode. And we'll sort of, I guess, discuss it at the end. Sonny asks the men why they are hidden, and the men say because of the shade. Pretty clever. Um, He offers Sonny $2 a day, um, which we know would have been a (laughs) massive amount for a little kid back then. You know, Sonny is straight away impressed. The man says, wait a minute, he can't. They will have the union after him for child labour, which is very clever because, you know, you're giving it to him and then feeding it back. So now Sonny wants this job. So he's just a psychological mastermind, Joe. Mm. That's his special way of getting Sonny not to tell anybody because if the union know, they'll get into trouble and he won't be able to pay them. And uh, so Sonny says he won't tell anyone and um, he's supposed to be at school anyway. So now they're like in it together. In response to Sonny skipping school, the man says, you'll never get on that way, mate. So that sort of gives us a bit of a hint that Joe's not a total crook. He's sort of knows the right things to do. And he's sort of, I think, going on both sides of the fence. Yeah, he felt like the safety valve in that group. I didn't trust the other two guys around Sonny, but he felt like he was going to stop things getting too serious they were way dodgier but then ernie he seemed like a top bloke i thought because he was just worried about his generator i think ted was the one that i was just like he would just sell anybody down the river we'll we'll get to all of them later sunny says he was going to save up for a birthday present uh for his dad and then you know joe's very impressed and happy to do this the men agree so they get sunny sweeping all the leftover fleece uh straight away okay now this is a bit I'll definitely ask you about, Ashwin, because growing up on a sheep farm, all of this, we go into a beautiful montage and it's got the soundtrack uh, Flashjack from Gundagai, which is an old Banjo Patterson song and it's sung by A.L. Lloyd and I thought I'd better address it and I got into the State Library of New South Wales and I'd give you a breakdown of just how important wool was to Australia. So for many years, wool was the most important product in the Australian economy. The wool industry dates from 1797 when John MacArthur and Reverend Samuel Marsden imported Spanish merino sheep to attempt to start a wool industry. Up until then, the only sheep in the colony were fat-tailed sheep, which the first fleet brought in from the Cape of Good Hope. There were primarily used as meat rather than wool. So just as a benchmark, you know, that's where it all started. And it was pretty much the whole economy for a 
like through most of the 1800s for Australia. And I will all hand it over to uh, Ashwin. <laughs> so what your impressions were of this scene and this great little montage. See, this was more of a, a feeling episode than an yes. action episode. And it was just about classic Australia. Like you said, the wool industry was very important to this country. It was ta- in New Zealand in the eighties, the last thing you would see is sheep. There was, um, they would play the New Zealand national anthem and you would see sheep jumping over like a, a wool shearing shed or like in the barn and the play the national anthem. And that's how Kiwis were sent to bed, like with the anthem yep. and with sheep. So um, yeah, it was bringing back some Kiwi memories for me. I liked it. I was, I was just surprised at how quickly Sonny took to it because yeah, he's meant to be a smart kid, but now he's part of a criminal enterprise within a minute and a half. So Well, yeah, criminal, but they're doing like really hard work. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. and I thought like shearers were, pretty well paid considering they've got this really important union that cracks people down (laughs) if they don't pay people properly and as australians now we make fun of new zealanders with sheep but like really australians even up until like the 1950s were pretty Mm. much the sheep capital of the world and there there was that thing of like having more sheep than people in australia and stuff so you know, I thought it was funny how, like, uh, New Zealand inherited that. And I just was thinking whether during that time when Australia was on top, whether they had all the sheep fucking jokes about them, you know. Yeah. And, then, and I, then Australia just was like, oh, yeah, New Zealand. You know, then they started, like, deferring the jokes. Yeah, and then Australia uh, switched over to mining and it's much harder to make jokes about people <laughs> fucking <laughs> mining equipment. Yeah. Exactly. It's weird. Lee, what did you reckon? So I hadn't actually seen any sheep getting shorn since probably I was a kid. And I was really surprised at how docile the sheep are because they really get dragged out and manhandled pretty rough to get their wool mm. shorn off. So it's just one of those things where I just thought, wow, and they just lie back and just let it happen. With it, wool getting sheared off their faces and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, it is a weird uh, sort of industry that because uh, you're basically the, uh, an animal hairdresser. So... <laughs> It is sort of a weird thing that, uh, but it was pretty good because you got the whole montage with this great thing. So you got the whole process of shearing, but yeah, we'll, we'll move on. But I just thought we'd take a special thing to, you know, talk about sheep and wool. Um, (laughs) So we have this classic montage. It's just good old Aussie fun, uh, shearing sheep banjo patterson song and theft as well, which is like one of the most important things Australian colonial culture is. So Matt Clancy and Mark, uh, so we're back at the uh, the house now and we come back and they're riding horses. They're coming back from like some jaunt, I don't know, and uh, they come back to the house. Matt goes inside to find the radio lesson going, with, but no Sonny. So Matt's pretty pissed off straight away. He asked Jerry. Jerry was working in the hangar. He says he didn't see Sonny go anywhere. Jerry says he's supposed to be doing his lessons and Matt agrees and looks really mad. All the men are finished for the day. They pay Sonny and Joe pays and says, uh, go buy your dad something nice. Sonny asks if he can uh, come in tomorrow. Joe says he will have to come, but he'll have to be really early. Joe then says now uh, cat along, which I thought was a nice little uh, colloquial term. Don't forget mum's the word. Uh, Sonny says goodbye to Joe and Ted says that uh, the kid's going to tell on them. And Joe says, optimistically, he gave me his word, which is another thing of like, oh, look, Joe's not too bad. He trusts a little kid. Oh, and then he goes, I wonder what he'll get for his dad. So he's 
he's a nice guy, I think. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I like that. I feel like there was something intuitive going on. Like when you trust someone, you trust someone. You can just get a sense. Of, and Joe had that yep. sixth sense with Sonny that they'd formed the connection. He wasn't going to rat him out. I think, yeah, that's fair. And whereas Ted, the other guy, is just much more literal. He needs everything to be in writing. You know, some people lack trust and yep. Ted probably had some some daddy issues. And <laughs> That's why Ted's not in charge as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it's interesting because they did portray them as these hardworking guys, but at the same time, they're criminals. So I can't really get behind them altogether. I can't really be fully supportive because they are ultimately ripping off another farmer who's legitimately trying to earn a living. So as nice as they were to Sonny, I was still thinking, oh, you're still dickheads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where and later on we'll get to the moral part of this whole thing because it was it was weird. We go back to Matt arrives home. And I thought this was an interesting shot because it was a day for night. So where they've shot it in the day and darkened it. And uh, he meets Mark out the front and uh, asks if Sonny's back. And he, he is very angrily walking to Sonny's room. He finds Sonny asleep in the bed. And Sonny's clasping two $1 notes because we had them back then. And Mark remarks saying... Remember when he worked at the dairy and he didn't tell a soul and he got uh, something for Matt's birthday? And then that's where I sort of had a pretty good screenshot of Mark with a very funny expression on his face that I'm sure I'll post up on the Facebook. But um, Matt sees the the date uh, marked on a calendar. There's a calendar on the wall and there's a big you know mark over the date for his birthday. And the anger subsides. Uh, he places the money back into... Sonny's hand and uh, Matt says he could do with a bath as they sort of like you know go oh he's a bit smelly and he covers him and turns on the light um, so he sort of you know looks after him and puts him to bed. Yeah he- that smell inter- was interesting like if you had to smell like one animal which animal do you want to smell like? I guess sheep have got lanolin which is normally people <laughs> apply to their skin. I don't know what animal would you want to smell like? Deer? Maybe venison? Yeah, they would be very gamey. I, I would say sheep would be sort of one of those ones, but it just is a very oily smell. But yeah. I guess a cow wouldn't be the worst. I don't know. So we've got so okay. So we've got Sunny and Skippy in the morning. They've shown up bright and early at the makeshift shearing shed, uh, and the men are getting ready. Sunny starts giving the sheep food. Ted asks Joe how they should transport them, and Sunny overhears this and asks where they are taking them to. Joe uh, says they must be checked for foot rot. So it's him sort of, you know, spinning. Ernie asks where Sonny lives, and he says that he he lives in the park and his dad's the head ranger. And the other men all look at Joe not very happy. Uh, revelation, you know, not that great a situation having uh, the law working in your area, you know. Johnny, and Sonny has used this line a fair bit, oh, my dad's the head ranger. Mm. Is there some sort of beta male assistant ranger? I've never seen it. It's just Matt, isn't it? Uh, well, there's Jerry, but I'm guessing he's the head ranger and Jerry's the assistant ranger. They don't really mention their roles that much. So Matt is on the phone and then gets off the phone, Mark tells Mark he checked with the dairy, he checked with the trembles, and he checked with the bullers, and none of them have Sonny working for them. So Matt is a little bit worried about what's going on and who the hell is giving Sonny $2 a day. Back at the shearer's shed, Ernie wants to take a break. And this is, I guess, one of those things where it's like, you just don't get in the way 
of a shear and his tea break. Ted, who's, you know, always the worried one, he wants to get out here of the place as soon as possible. I think obviously assuming because he's just heard Sonny is the son of the head ranger. Ernie says we need a break and they all have a break. Joe backs him up and basically they all sit down for tea. Uh, Matt gets another call and the sergeant tells him that there are wool thieves out there. And I think we need to go, probably go over this. It's like, I didn't even know wool thieves were a thing. And like, it just sounds like a lot of hard work for stealing. Because I thought the whole point of stealing was to take the quick road there. And yet you're doing extremely hard amount of manual labor and a job that is, I'm assuming, Probably not too badly paid anyway for the hours you're doing. So, yeah. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, it does feel like a very old world crime. I wouldn't mind like, you know, like a drone. These days you could get a drone to like fly down, steal someone and leave. But in the old days when you had to park your van, find a location to shear them, return the sheep afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, Lee, what, what did you reckon? You're absolutely right. Like, why would you do such hard work? I mean, they do say that wool is worth quite a lot. But at the same time, just why not try to steal it after it's been shorn off and just steal it from the truck that it's being transported in? Exactly. Like, why don't you do all the work yourself? Yeah, like the old mafia style, you know? Like, yeah. that's, that's what you're supposed to do. The mob never, like, made guns. You know, they sold them. <laughs> and they, you know, so it's sort of one of those things where they need to re-examine their... Um, stealing techniques and maybe try to like find a bit of a quicker way to a buck mark this is talking to matt when he just got off the phone says that sunny's clothes smelt like sheep and then matt says he's got an awful feeling and uh so yeah the pennies dropped matt has a feeling that uh sunny's working for these uh wool thieves matt Jerry and Mark all go take the the horses to find Sunny, and they leave Clancy, which I thought was a bit rude because she was riding the horses before. But I guess it's all men's business. And Ernie and the men are having tea; they're all sitting around. Joe says for Sunny to come over. Uh, he gives him some tea, and Sunny asks if they stole the sheep. Joe explains that. Will they? Will they'll take them back once they're done? Again, like, you know, why wouldn't you sell the sheep again or something? You know, because they're worth probably a lot. They grow wool every year. So, Sunny says, uh, "What about the wool?" And Ernie says, "That'll grow back in no time," um, which is a bit of a white lie, which we find out a little bit later. Joe cheers them, and they all drink their tea. Matt and the rest are racing through the bush on their horses. Uh, they've come upon the ridge where Sunny was at the first start of the episode. And then they come across a cliff and they sort of stop and wait to hear if they can hear anything. And then all of a sudden the motor starts up again. They actually spot the men cheering and they spot Sonny helping the men. Matt gets a rope and takes uh, the quickest way down. Mark goes uh, and throws the rope and then Joe hears them as they're descending so he's sort of got a bit of a heads up and he hurries off to tells the men to basically bugger off they need to get out of here joe distracts sunny uh with a task and tells him to go check something and they pretty much just pack up and leave they don't take anything which again it's like this is one of those most dangerous operations where it's like that would have cost a lot of money unless they stole all of that stuff the setup of this situation is pretty much as much as probably setting up a wool shed to shear sheep. So, again, these guys need to really rethink their way of 
earning money and they leave everything and they say, we'll meet at the old road uh, and then get away there. Joe actually does stop by and leaves something with Skippy and then he runs off. And Matt, Mark and Jerry descend the cliff. Sunny is left working on a wool bale uh, to find Matt and the rest all sneak up behind him. And Matt says... They left him, all the guys, and uh, Sonny calls for them and no one's here and then finds Skippy. And then Sonny's quite upset because he's like, Joe wouldn't leave, Joe wouldn't go. As Skippy comes over, they find that there's $2 in Skippy's pouch and then he smiles. So getting back to it, Joe's not a bad guy. These guys aren't too bad. He, he Even when he was rushing off, he still managed to look after Sonny. But yeah, and it was sort of very interesting to see that. I'll just get straight to the end so we can just do our little uh, essays at the end. Sonny's back at home and he's in bed with Skippy, uh, like with Skippy lying down, which I thought was funny because you could tell that Sonny was like holding on to Skip, trying not to like hop away. And he says uh, he doesn't care what they say about Joe, Ernie and Ted. They were his friends. Matt finds him and says that they uh, may be his friends, but what they were doing was wrong. Matt explains that the farmer relies on the wool and it takes a whole year to grow again. Sonny says Joe wouldn't have known that. So Sonny's like defending Joe even now. So yeah, what do you guys think of that? I actually enjoyed the moral greyness of that ending. I thought because it's very easy to say stealing is wrong. Don't be bad. But this episode felt like, they were trying to empathize with the criminal a little bit. So yeah. it was less about being rules driven and more about seeing some nuance and mm. justice rather than just what's the letter of the law. So I thought that was a little bit clever for a kid's show to have that sort of nuance point of view. So I thought that was fun. Yeah, I'm a little bit different only because I don't really see any gray in stealing. I always thought it's a weak thing to do. So I really don't care about Joe and his friends. It's just a personal thing. Like I can I can definitely see the others, but my empathy lies with the victim. It never lies with the person who's selfishly looking out for his or her own interests. So Mm -hmm. look, Mm -hmm. I get that he he gave two dollars to Sonny, but he was probably taking thousands of dollars away from a farmer who now may not be able to survive for the year. I mean luckily because yes. they ran off when Matt arrived, all the stuff got back to him. But I kind of thought, look, it just seems like a very, it's just a difference of, of morals, I suppose. Like, I didn't find it a terrible episode. Like, I actually thought it was quite an enjoyable watch. But it was just that area. I just thought, wow, they didn't even get punished. Like, the last shot is them literally walking <laughs> off down the road. Yeah. And the moral being, mates are the most important thing, Dad. It's like, yeah, well, yeah they so- are. But pick some nice mates, not criminals. So yeah. we'll get to that. And, uh, yeah, so Zoddy uh, asks if they'll go to jail. Matt says the farmer got his wool back and the sheep back, so there's no harm done. And they'll need to change their ways, uh, which I think they'll need to change their criminal ways because, dang, like, <laughs> they need to figure out a better way, an easier way to make money and without all that outlay. So Sonny says that they can't do that and that it's the only job they know. But it's like, he, they can shear sheep, Sonny. They can go get a legitimate job shearing sheep and this is where it gets all funny and weird well gray area i guess it wasn't a the stealing or the money it was being mates and then sonny walks off and then says if they were they're crooks having mates is very very important <laughs> um and uh then we cut to the last shot which is joe ernie and ted walking down the bush trail arguing and this is what i wanted to get into and like you brought up a very important thing because your hard line against this, because I think there is a grey area, because in Australia we're brought up with, like, we're, we 
descended from convicts. I, I'm pretty sure I've got their convict in there somewhere back in the, the day. And this is the problem. Like, criminals are people. And the other thing is, like, you know how there's that classic convict Australian story where people were getting sent over here for stealing a loaf of bread for their family and stuff like that? How do you react morally to that? Do you still stand up for the baker and uh, still go, well, no, you were stealing the bottom line for that loaf of bread. Your baby could have died that morning, but no. How do you feel? Well, this is where I think it's, it's just short-sighted of the criminal because there are ways to get food to save your family without stealing. Like you could go to a homeless shelter. Like there are things set up to help people. And I not, think not, in, uh, people- not in uh, Victorian England uh, or like late 18th centuries where, you know, infant mortality rates were insane. Like the poverty would have been crazy from the Industrial Revolution. So it's not like just a personal thing. This is a social thing. Like this is putting people in situations where they shouldn't be put in that situation. I mean, and because this isn't colonial times. This is the 1960s. No, so there really, there really isn't, yeah. No. Yeah, so there really yeah. isn't an, like, a no good justification. And, and, and if there was, we never learned it anyway. But, you know, so we just we just saw them do what they were doing. There was no backstory. So and, I think they would have found that if they had have got job shearers, which we said a couple of times, considering they were very good at it, they yeah. would have earned way more way than more. they would have in just a couple of scores where they're always having to worry about are they going to get caught it would have been much easier and they would have been more profitable to just do the work properly. (laughs) For me, the grey area was not so much uh, defending them. They were definitely in the wrong. Yeah. But it's just this this TV series isn't the Bible. Like it's no. Whereas and that was what surprised me. Sometimes TV series like to be very black and white, and I was just yeah. surprised that they were yeah. a little bit kinky with this. No, I was kind of delighted in there. Well, let's. Yeah, yes. let's get to that. So, um, like, I'll I'll just go off first with the quick review. Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, it was less about that because normally they they'll have the black hat and the white hat. You know, they'll basically make the good guy and the bad guy. But these guys were people. I guess that was the most important part. Like, they were just blokes trying to make their way in the world as stupidly as what it was. So there was that sort of thing, and all the characters themselves were, you know reasonably fun Australian characters. Uh, So I actually enjoyed this episode quite a bit just for that whole little film clip with them sharing uh, was probably worth it. So I'm going to give it four gum leaves. Lee, what did you think? So if we take out the sort of moral questions about it, as as an episode, I thought it was enjoyable. So I actually thought a three and a half from me. Cool. All right. Ashwin? I didn't enjoy it as much as the last couple of episodes. I'm not sure what it is. That's a theft episode. So there's elements that could have been fun but yeah maybe just the action just moved slowly it's just sunny going to, d- to a day job which we all do for yep. work anyway sunny <laughs> goes to work so that's what it ended up being um so maybe 3.8 gum leaves for me i'm gonna now that i think about it because i know the next episode that's coming up so i really want to save it and i'm gonna go down i'm gonna put 3.6 gum leaves i'm gonna go down because i feel like it had all that australian stuff but yeah definitely could have been a better episode because it was just pretty much sunny going back and forth to this place and shearing sheep. So, um, yeah, like, all right. So we've all sort of like, even though I retracted mine, we've sort of given a very similar <laughs> score there. Let's go to the next episode, which will be episode 20, Double Trouble. Still determined to have Skippy in the his zoo, Dr. Alexander Stark hires an actor to pose as a park ranger and tries to get Matt fired from his job as head ranger. Mm. I know. 
I, yeah, as I said, I read that synopsis last week and I was like very excited because uh, it reminded me of like what Lex Luthor does to Superman. Like he'll make an evil Superman to discredit him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I thought, and Dr. Stark's <laughs> bald, I think. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. And this could mean we finally get to meet Matt's boss. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I saw a still, and it's sort of pretty funny because it's just Matt with like a five o'clock shadow and looking like <laughs> rough. So it'll be a really cool episode, I think. So we'll let that one go. Uh, hopefully, that'll be really enjoyable, and we'll see you guys then. Uh, so, Ashwin, have a good one. Cool. See you later. And Lee, see you later. See you next time, guys. <laughs> 